Hi guys, I'm Omer, founder and CEO of Wigzo. Have you heard of CDP, the hottest new jargon in the field of marketing tech? It stands for Customer Data Platform. And it is essentially a unified platform with all data about your customers from multiple sources. Think of a typical consumer products retailer. Let's say a mobile phone company. They would have some data coming from their D2C website about their customers, some data from e-commerce marketplaces, and some data from their offline stores, and some data from service outlets. The CDP platform will allow them to have a single unified view of customers and send them tailor-made messages or content using multiple modes of communication. Wixo, a modern CDP platform built for retailers who want to do omni-channel and it recently got acquired by Shiprocket. This candid conversation between your host Akshay Dutt and Umair Mohammed, the founder of Wixo, is a goldmine of insights about finding product market fit, marketing automation, B2B SaaS scale-up and how to think about an acquisition. Stay tuned for this amazing conversation and don't forget to subscribe to the Founder Thesis podcast on any audio streaming app. Uh, so, Wixo is a, a retention marketing tool uh, that allows you to, uh, that does two things uh, for any, uh, for a D2C brand. Uh, and those two things are A, it improves conversion rates. That means more people uh, who are coming onto the, your website end up buying because of the personalization, conversion rate optimization. And, and finally, it, uh, it enables brands to uh, uh, increase their repeat purchase rate, retain, they retain more customers. So essentially, uh, what Wixo does is in, in the same amount that you've spent on marketing, it allows you to get more sales in the first go. And allows you to more repeat purchase and drive drive a higher uh, lifetime value from your existing customers. And what's the? Uh, can you share some numbers? What's the revenue you're clocking currently? And uh, like just some numbers about what kind of impact you've had. So um, uh, overall, uh, the revenue numbers we've crossed ten million ARR, uh, you know, this year, and we've grown almost four times. Uh, since uh, you know the ship rocket acquisition back in January 2022, um, and uh, yeah, I mean, uh, look, uh, uh, I think uh, I've said this before, uh, but you can't stop a product whose time has come. <laughs> so I just feel that you know it was it was also at the, you know ship rocket um, came in at the right time when though that kind of software was need of the art. 2020, uh, we saw a lot of uh, focus on acquisition of users, content creation. Um, you know, and uh, there was a whole D two C explosion. Exactly. So, um, but now I think the brands realize that the now attention is getting divided between multiple brands being present, between everyone understanding this D two C game. Um, social media uh, crowded with you know not just influencers but also uh, ads, uh, user generated content ads. So. Um, uh, brands want to obviously stand out and once they've captured that audience they want to continue to retain that audience uh, which is the which are actually the only two ways to 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 counter uh, high higher cac right you can't 
go to Facebook, Facebook and Google and say, you know, give me a lower CPM. They won't, right? It's a, it's a, it's a tool um, built out for opacity where, uh, you know, you have uh, opaqueness in terms of what you're bidding and versus what your impressions are and who your ad is getting shown to, um, driven by their machine learning algorithms. But uh, all said and done at the end, what I've always believed is that uh, the biggest piece of real estate that a brand has it's a, it's is its own website, right? Uh, and and communication channels that it owns. Like you said, uh, in in twenty twenty, uh, that uh, brand now needed to now own the data, own their customers, right? Um, platform play kind of become uh, you know became scary, um, and we had examples of uh, TikTok influencers. Uh, once the TikTok got banned. Uh, they couldn't hack it, um, you know. Some of them couldn't couldn't get the same kind of following. Uh, so, having your brand on someone else's platform is a big, big red flag. You can't call yourself a brand, and rightly so. That's why people call them use the term uh, used in the industry as seller. You're a seller on somebody somebody else's platform. So, the journey. I think from becoming a seller to a brand, people understood it that that happens when you own the customer, when the customer knows you, right? And and it's your own customer that talks to you in a very different way versus a new customer that doesn't know your brand. And I think that is what uh, drove the need for a product like Witzo, where the ability to own that first party data, uh, the ability to own that data and enrich it and know your customer, right? KYC, uh, it became such an important uh, facet because in the D2C world, actually, we're talking about millions and sometimes millions and millions of cons- consumers, customers coming onto the website. We we go to any brand uh, these days and typically they would say we have 100,000 unique visitors every month. We have 300,000 unique visitors. That's a lot of traffic. That's a lot, uh, you know, 300,000 unique traffic. Um, but then you ask them that, you know, uh, and they say, oh, we are, we are marketplace heavy uh, and not discounting marketplaces. They have a role to play in the ecosystem and uh, a very important role, in fact, of discovery and elevating the brand. But at the end, uh, your own website is your own real estate. That is where you control the narrative. That is where you control the um, control how your products are featured, how your products look. And, um, and you uh, own that data, own that customer, right? So... So I think that kind of propagated the need for uh, solutions or softwares like Wixo. And uh, and rest is just, you know, we we understood the uh, problem statement. Um, it was the right time. People understood the importance of data. And we were at the right sort of uh, product journey as well, where we could say that, you know, we've built out, we've spent three, four years perfecting the product for this industry. You know, and uh, there is a let. Let's just uh, go through that journey of perfecting the product for the industry. Uh, how did you? Uh, how did the idea of Vixo come to you? And uh, you know, this was like your second venture, right? This was not your first venture. Yes. So l- let's start with you becoming an entrepreneur first. So uh, you know, typically, and I can give you like a very <laughs> cheesy answer. Typically, that gets featured. But it wasn't like that. I was just not into the nine to five. I was just not feeling the job uh, culture. Uh, and also, I think uh, I saw an opportunity. And around me, 
uh, we I had some people who were already venturing out. One of my very close associate became one of the co-founders at Carrot Lane. Um, and uh, so I, I was surrounded by people who were on course for their entrepreneurial journey. And at that time, I was like, okay, um, I figured out a problem, but that I didn't have any technical expertise. I didn't, you know, everyone was starting an e-commerce company and, uh, and um, there were a lot of funding happening. So it was a very different time as well for the Indian startup ecosystem, because suddenly we didn't know why uh, a Flipkart or a Snapdeal is raking in hundreds of millions of dollars in funding. Um, and we, I was just trying to get into it. Digital was getting adopted it was a 2000 you know 8 to 2013 kind of a, was a very different time for the uh, for the startup ecosystem and i remember um, so i thought okay uh, i didn't have a product i um, but i had knowledge of e-commerce i had knowledge of product i had knowledge of how uh, you know data functions and thanks to my previous uh, the current job that i was in i was able to uh, sort of put all that expertise into play and and go to few e-commerce, uh, you know, companies. And uh, trust me, when I say this, I, 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 I was just looking for a few problems to solve. Of course, I knew their problems uh, surrounded and they were revolved around data, but I didn't know the problem, exact problems yet. And um, you know that epiphany, the aha moment, not in the product journey, but in the journey of becoming an entrepreneur. So from a consulting company, I was going out and meeting different clients and I was saying, hey, we'll help you out. We can do this with your data. We can do this. We can create an architecture, X, Y, Z, uh, sort, of, sort of like a service-based uh, consulting company. for, uh, And that was the first company. But the epiphany came when I went to this fairly large e-commerce uh, company. And I've narrated this incident, I think, about a thousand times. And I was talking to the analytics team of that company. and. They say, oh, yeah, we do the analytics. We have these dashboards and we do the analytics and we do the um, RFM, uh, you know, which was really fancy back then. Recency, RFM is recency frequency monetary. So it's like a three uh, 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 three axis graph. Uh, you can plot, uh, you know, you can plot uh, uh, recency frequency monetary based on these three parameters. So it's, it is a little complex but uh, so so they were you know showing off business intelligence software showing rfm uh, uh, and uh, and i said what how do you like utilize this data i get it you have amazing intelligence and he said no we download we download the audience and we put it in a pen drive and we send it to the second floor to the guy who sends out emails right and that kind of sparked uh, like what if this process was not this uh, manual at all what if this intelligence translated into a data being, you know, a dashboard being uh, shared with that guy sitting on the second floor or somewhere else, even in, in, in a different city can access it. The segment has been created by the marketing team and he can just execute it on that segment. Right. Um, email marketing was already pretty popular uh, then. So there were precedents of how to build out that software. Right. But um, uh, we started off with a simple email uh, personalization or email tool. We said, okay, our email tool will be different in the sense that all this data uh, analytics would feature inside of the tool and uh, it would make life easier for the analytics team and the, uh, the marketing team who eventually executes. And for this, I recruited two people who I, you know, I recruited earlier in my job to build out various projects. Um, I went, took this idea to them. 
um and honestly at that time it sounded like on paper it sounded like uh that this would be like a very small tool something that you could uh, you know it was not supposed to be like a data platform or it was not supposed to be big it was supposed to be a very uh basic solvable need that we uh, i saw and as a consulting company also uh, you know i was we were contemplating that as a consulting company as consultants to e-commerce uh, companies we should have some sort of tool that we are also you know and uh, uh, and as soon as i had that tool and i did a few demos to to them you few worked after, with a vendor to get that done yeah to work with two individuals um who i didn't i only hired as freelancers and i said look if this project goes well then you know we'll we'll put it like a company and they eventually became my co-founders uh and uh, so these two people they 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 went and they uh, coded something in a in like a month it was very shabby looking but it did the job it was supposed to do and that was and and we took that product to few large brands and they said oh we love it um and um and one of them was kind enough one one fairly large well funded e-commerce company uh, there was a product manager there and and he was kind enough to say hey, uh that where what if uh he understood that we are young entrepreneurs we are trying to build something we have a small team he said what if i can help you shape the product as per my requirements you know what if what what if that answer that would be fantastic that would be lovely because you know while it will take certain time and there was no product managers back then right so i mean we were the product managers in a in a five people team and uh, that kind of just led to that um, he uh, explained his uh, you know problem statements and and trust me actually the first few years of the journey of wixo were just clients explaining their problem statement to me me explaining my problem statement to these guys and these guys coming up with like a technical way to solve those <laughs> complex uh, hmm. um issues uh, so uh, this guy went through the problem statements were, like sure. you know one by one what yeah sure so email was a big uh, uh, channel of communication it still is actually um but uh, with whatsapp and everything it's 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 considered but it was like the dominant channel for 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 it was the only is, channel at that it was the yeah. only channel so email personalization tool was uh, so he said okay what if uh, we could populate the email with the real time data from the uh, you know from our website uh, behavior and for that the person needs to be logged in that was the first problem statement the first the person needs to be logged in um and uh, second problem statement was we need to somehow store it somewhere and when the email goes out dynamically populated into uh it sounded like a problem that can be solved but uh, so this would be like say someone has added an item to the cart but has not checked out so yes. you could within minutes of that action you could trigger a mail saying uh do you need help or uh, the stocks are limited and finishing fast or something to nudge him to make the purchase yes so that was the very early version of it uh, but we wanted more we said okay you send out a million messages yani yeah, million emails a day do you send out 10 lakh emails a day what if those 10 lakh emails when you open it's a different email or at least the part of the email is different and when i open the same email those bulk emails 
um, that part of the email is different for me. How, can we connect your browsing history to, to your email dynamically? And it was slightly more complex problem to solve because uh, that dynamic portion of the email would, uh, would actually not go uh, with the email. And uh, what would happen is when you open the email, a, a call on the server would go that, okay, Akshay is opening the email. And based on what we have stored for Akshay, um, then the images will be downloaded from the server. So it was more real time and we had to actually, um, you know, sit down and build it. Uh, it was complex problem to solve. So similarly, those, uh, the early part of Wixo were all built by the customers. We had a few early customers and, and uh, you know, and we kept on solving those problems that came to us head on. Um, you know, from what, what else? Just go down the journey of these problems. Sure. These are fascinating problems. So the email personalization was one. Then second was uh, uh, when we started collecting that data uh, of uh, what Akshay is browsing or what Umer is browsing on the website. We said, oh, we are getting tons of other data as well, right? Like for example, device. We we're getting device information, IP information, location information. We're getting tons of data. And we're not just getting for logged in users. We're also getting it for anonymous users. We're not doing anything with it, but we are getting it. So we said, okay, what can we do? So we said, oh, can you uh, personalize my web page or my website uh, page in real time? Can you show him something in real time that is more contextual? Uh, and we said, uh, yeah, that should be doable. So we wrote Bro, another mic. Like, are you talking of making the site mobile responsive? Uh, like, no, 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 no. So, for example, is, if yeah, yeah. so, if 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 Akshay comes again, same similar example to email. If Akshay comes on to uh, people are usually browsing the website uh, uh, from their own device, right? It's uh, either a mobile device and or a desktop device. And uh, and trust me, I've seen that transition. You know, uh, when we started capturing this data, uh, traffic of mobile to desktop was about fifty. 50%. Today it's 90-10 possibly, right? Um, so uh, there was uh, uh, the the problem statement was uh, when Akshay comes uh, onto my website, I don't know his Akshay because he's not logged in, but I still have captured his you know basic browsing as an anonymous user. I've captured he's looked at t-shirt, he's still looked at a yellow t-shirt, he's looked at uh, you know large size t-shirt. I don't know he's Akshay, but I know this is some customer from XYZ place. Now, this customer There's a comes cookie, to, basically, yes. which is helping you to track it. Right. Now, right. now uh, this person comes back again tomorrow. So the ask was, can you show him something contextual based on what he's browsed yesterday? Because typically, any... Continue any, your search, for example, like on Amazon, when you go back. Exactly. To, exactly like Amazon. And thanks for bringing Amazon to this point, because... Um, Amazon played a big role in our journey of the product as well because Amazon was was setting the benchmark as to how personalization uh, used to be carried out. If you search anything on Amazon, if you buy anything from Amazon, everything from that point forward is personalized to your taste, right? Even today, Amazon did not bother to change the user experience uh, because their homepage, uh, if you look at it, if you're a uh, uh, you know regular buyer, is tailored to your taste of what you have bought. Uh, yes, yes. Most yes. of the pages it, it recommends products based on your history. Yeah. So, so we said, okay, we can actually build experiences like Amazon for 
these uh, uh, through the data that we are capturing, we can do a lot more than just email personalization because at the end, email is still a two three percent base of the total people who are coming. So we said we could impact a much larger audience, uh, and that sort of started the CRO, the conversion rate optimization journey of of Wixo of uh, contextual nudges, uh, contextual messages on page. Uh, that we could do show relevant content. How, how do you change the content dynamically, which is getting displayed? Is this through Shopify integration or? Yeah, we do through Shopify, but we have our own JavaScript and SDKs embedded into the website. So if we want to show, we don't change the existing um, user experience or flow of the website because that is much harder to do and it breaks the entire process. And the teams have spent quite a few time, uh, hours in developing that user experience, right? So. What we do is we typically over put an overlay because we have the JS embedded. We could typically overlay uh, something uh, uh, on top of the existing. So let's just take an example of pop-ups, right? Pop-ups are typically very annoying when you go to a website. They ask for, okay, you know, um, but what if we said, okay, pop-ups could also be contextual. What if you, you know, it, uh, one pop-up could say, hey, continue browsing for these three items or or get a discount on the jacket that you were, uh, looking at subscribe right now with email and we saw amazing conversion rate uplift from there we saw uh, typically a conversion rate on a pop up like that was about two two and a half percent right uh, and trust me these are validated numbers on fairly large traffic website we saw it jump towards 14 percent when it was contextualized so 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 what was happening is we were able to, using this contextualized behavioral data, we were able to also build a top of the funnel, uh, much larger audience base for uh, for our uh, 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 brands that we were working with, right? Um, and now, now came, uh, obviously, with this product, we had the MVP, we were building, continuously building, we had few customers as well. Um, and we were confident that we are on the right journey. So we approached a few investors. Uh, I We were very, very fortunate to have some of the best, most amazing investors in the country uh, back us at a time when B2B software was not considered that sexy. Trust me, like it was the time of e-commerce and, you know, consumer and hyper-local apps getting funded left, right, and center. Um, uh, we were like, you know, the the odd one out like the ugly duckling <laughs> in that fundraising journey um, because but I, I, I've had the pleasure of working with some of the finest finest investors uh, in the country some of them um, I, I'm sure everyone would know your listeners would know uh, Ritesh Malik co-founder of Innovate uh, Neerat Singh uh, CEO of uh, Spinny and founder and CEO of Spinny um, Pranapai uh, from uh, you know three one four capital, uh, Mr. Mohandas Pai uh, and his fund, uh, and uh, Cornerstone Capital. Uh, we had Satpeer uh, from Singapore Angel Network. We had uh, so uh, we, Kunal Khattar from uh, uh, you know Car Nation and then um, Advantage Fund. So we had the honor of working with some of the some people who literally backed us just on. Two things. They understood the problem statement. Yes, a lot of their portfolio is struggling through this, right? Uh, and B, they they understood. I I think they they understood the conviction that I went with, right? Uh, uh, and uh, it was like sometimes it was a 
it was not even a product it was a pitch on on a whiteboard uh, saying that we will build this right i i still remember my first call with pranav uh, he was in us it was on skype uh and back then it was still skype and he said i love you know the vision that you have put out for the software uh, for you what you want, want to build and he told me this on the very first call he said will data play a very big role in this i said first party data will play a very big role in the first formative years but network effect data will eventually come into play uh, quite later and he said umer data is a very long game are you sure you're up for it because it's not going to happen in 2 3 years and uh, i said you know i'm uh, i'm 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 not thinking about exit and trust me whenever investors you i mean i was always trained that whenever you go to a page investors are going to ask you uh, what is what would be the exit strategy and what would be the and i always used to say i genuinely don't know i don't know why would you want to exit from a company that can potentially be what hubspot is today which is a 2 billion arr company why would you want to exit from that company right so that was what it was in our mind that we are building something along those lines um 2017 was uh, the year when we sort of said now we have to pick an industry because we don't have the bandwidth to build it for 5 6 7 10 in different industry we 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 can't we 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 were a frugal company we've not raised tens of millions of dollars with this very uh, miserly we've diluted quite a bit so uh, might as well you know focus on something and kill it and i uh, one of my mentor who was a who was a ex boss as at at my previous job and he said you know you always pick a niche and kill that niche so that was uh, for us that was again uh, a tough call uh a tough call because we had a lot of interest coming from other industries as well bfsi was coming to us and said can you do this for us in terms of personalization um everyone was putting us in touch thanks to our investor yeah, group mean, as well. anyone who does email marketing would be interested exactly basically. and the investor group like the you know amazing people they are they used to make a hell lot of connection with top top individuals in the country right i'm suddenly i'm talking to the 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 head of digital banking in icici bank uh the country head of digital banking and i don't know what to tell him i, I said my partner won't fit uh so we had to say a lot of no's uh as well because we said okay no we will pick a niche and we'll have to kill that niche for all practical purposes we will be we will have to be very very focused on that particular niche we'll have to build the software that, with that niche and e-commerce was always close to the heart we were already working with e-commerce companies um it was you know the product manager like i said was actually based out of that uh, ecom company and uh, and uh, we were very very fortunate to sort of say okay, okay fine we will just pick one niche which is ecom uh, and trust me actually when that happened a lot of investors not the existing investors a lot of pitches that i was doing took a back seat because they said e-commerce is only you know india mein chalega nahi hai software because e-commerce is only marketplaces uh tam bahut chota hai uh, because nobody is going to buy uh, buy uh, things from people's own website they are always going to go to a trustworthy source like an amazon or a marketplace right nobody is going to buy it from their own website but and, under- and at that time even in the us uh, d2c websites were not doing a very big business as compared to amazon 
not at all not at all uh, uh, e- e- e-commerce was booming shopify was nowhere to be seen frankly speaking uh, the only direct to consumer um, uh, websites that we saw were built on magento which was very popular back then it was a and india had a lot big developer community still has big developer community of magento um and uh, there was a lot of customization and magento was so but it was not as popular so everyone said okay but underlying current we we saw that we saw the pain pain points when we sat with these these uh, e-commerce uh, website brand owners we sat with some of the and uh, we saw the, those undercurrent pain areas that they wished that they could bring this traffic i mean ha- if they have an option of lowering the sales a little bit but owning the audience they would choose that right and uh, and uh, we also saw retail sort of uh, come and say you know i'll start capturing data as well i'll start you know they i i remember there were startups who would provide those tablets to uh, to retail uh, companies who would put up guy there and ask survey of people coming in do you did you not find the size whatever right so did you not find the size and and they were capturing that data digitally so that whole digital transformation that revolution was taking place so undercurrent we were very confident that it's going to change um one of the parameters i i used to convince myself because you know there is a lot of self doubt actually when when some top notch investors and you going you know bangalore bombay pitching uh, to raise a large round and people are saying a tam bada nahi hai and they were not wrong at that time it was absolutely the truth but um, i think it's it, for us it was about seeing 5 years into the future saying 2022 mein kya hoga right and uh, and one of the marker was if i remember it correctly retail brands were jo wo jo bag mein saman dete hain apne store pe jaise like zara or they started writing big on their bag now available on zara.com or now available on tommy.com and that kind of like you know you have to keep on convincing yourself that see brand commerce is not is going to pick up it's going to go crazy it's going to uh you know the these brands who are all retail the the 1 trillion dollar uh, uh, or 700 billion back then uh, retail industries is going to transform into e-commerce uh, e-commerce will see penetration rise up to about 25 30% so there is a big headway to grow um and we were banking on that industry to grow for our software to grow so so all said and done it was um uh, you know i i understand and empathize with the investors uh who who said no to us gave us the reasoning of why they were saying no simply because uh, you know uh, i'm you know i've seen the other side of the table and you take all those things into account but as a founder uh, your conviction is everything right you early stage of a company your conviction on product your conviction on the market your conviction and it could have been wrong i could have been wrong and in, today even brand commerce would still be very uh, uh, small and marketplace would have still dominated um but it's just about predicting and finding the right patterns and trusting your instinct so i think that kind of happened uh, around that time 2018 19 we kept on seeing upsurge into brand commerce and uh, 2020 was just like a very different year right uh, first of all the uncertainty around the pandemic and the lockdown and then the uptick in the e-commerce every 
benchmark that we knew, every benchmark that we saw, every single thing was broken in literally months, which we thought would not even pass in 2025. We saw those benchmarks getting broken. We saw brands. Uh, and frankly, uh, I would say we were not, I would say it's, it's in hindsight, uh, we underestimated the market some may, maybe because also uh, of what investors were telling us and we focused on uh, some of the larger pitches and we said, okay, let's go to the larger brands. But uh, meanwhile, a, a company that I've known for, you know, good four or five years, uh, I've seen their journey from Card Rocket. Uh, they built Craftly. Uh, they pivoted and built Craftly, which was a marketplace. And then from Craftly, they started a smaller division called Ship Rocket. And suddenly seeing Ship Rocket uh, go from zero to 100 uh, reviews on Shopify App Store in front of my eyes, I was like, they're doing something which we aren't. You know, but, uh, they're going after some different customer segment, which we are not. We may be missing out on certain, but uh, we kept on our path because, you know, obviously we had fund crunch and we had salaries to pay and we had, you know, and uh, there, were, there, there have been difficult times during the course as with any startup, right? Uh, but uh, we were at a position after the pandemic wins with, the, in, in, you know, in our sales, we said, now I think the investors would understand uh, that we are, uh, you know, we've built a product, it has product market fit, it has uh, adoption, people want this kind of software, they want conversion rate optimization. And uh, we were, we went out looking for a fundraise. Uh, I, you know, a couple of bankers came back and said, you know, you're much better as a acquisition because of the dilution uh, and your numbers. And frankly, what you've achieved with the... How much had you diluted? Uh, by, we had... By- 21? By 21, we had diluted around 53, 53.6%. Wow. Um, okay. Yeah. So, because it, it was it, like a constant, uh, I mean, the uh, uh, it was a constant battle to convince investors and therefore you had to accept lower valuations for money. Therefore, it, the dilution was higher. It, exactly. Exactly. And I think it's just still like a vicious circle, right? Once you've accepted lower valuation, your subsequent valuation will also be lower because, you know, the, the markup you uh, you put so suddenly something has to shift in the business for them to suddenly give, say, and I think it was as first gen entrepreneur I kind of understood that uh, our all our pitches and today I can say this in uh, you know uh, out loud and to public and all to the entrepreneurs that I was pitching my product to investors and that was the wrong move, frankly. I now understand that you don't pitch your product to investors because they're not interested. They're not the buyers. Why are you pitching? It's a, it's not a sales call, right? Uh, uh, you pitch your investors, uh, you pitch your product to your buyers, uh, the, the people who are going to buy your product. To the, to the, to your investors, you pitch the story. You pitch the ecosystem. You pitch, and I think the TAM, you pitch how big uh, you believe uh, and even then, a lot of things have to fall into place for you to be able to go from a seed round where few pe- to people took a bet on you to a large series A, like a 10 million uh, series A, right? Where you say, okay, I've now arrived to the product market fit stage. Um, and uh, and frankly, we had all of that. But um, but I think, you know, again, uh, the, the storyboarding was something that I felt 
uh, I was not doing right. And it was only when we started pitching for acquisition and we started working with bankers, professional bankers. And then we started sort of looking at, uh, because the pitch suddenly changed from a fundraising pitch. Um, it became like an acquisition pitch of from a pitch that, hey, I can become a billion dollar company to something like I can help you become a billion dollar uh, or a $5 billion business because I am, uh, ca- uh, you know, cash uh, uh, proficient. I am, I, I built things in fru- with frugality and we are at a scale and we're scaling rapidly. So the pitch kind of changed. Uh, uh, and, and it was at that time I kind of understood what the investors demand, right? And they don't demand it because, uh, you know, it's the ecosystem or, they, you know, they, they, they demand it because they are also answerable to their LPs, their GPs, right? Uh, uh, VCs are answerable to to their investors uh, for returning the money. And I think they need a compelling story. They need a compelling story to pitch. They also need, and they want to believe that story. Because a lot of this is risky capital. Um, and... I understand today that the conviction doesn't always come from the founder and the product. Sometimes it's like, you know, the founder is great and uh, and uh, they have the right product, but I'm not sure about if their time is good because there are a lot of doubts or sometimes it would be like, you know, I love their story. I love their product. I love the problem they're trying to solve, but I don't see how how it is, it's going to do a hundred million in revenue. Right. And, that storyboarding, which I'm uh, 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 talking about, that you have to take investor. So they're, if they've given you a meeting, if they've given you a follow-up meeting of looking at your product and you know uh, understanding a journey, they're already from point A to point B. Point B, they want to know your story. They want to understand where. So you, it's your job as a founder to take them from point B to point Z, where you take them that journey that it's not, I am going to be on a rocket ship it's i'm not pitching you my business i'm not asking for money i'm asking are you the partner i am looking for to go on this you know journey with me will you add that fuel to my rocket and uh, and it's a different uh, uh, pitch and and i i understand now again I, like i said that why second gen on uh, you know founders or second gen entrepreneurs it's easier for them to fundraise because they they understand what is uh, required at a uh, you know at that level uh, to convince someone to part with a hundred, one fifty, two hundred crores uh, because it's not about the crores or the zeros in the crores. It's about what would be uh, what uh, the journey for them to get uh, even a two x or a three x return, right? The IRR promises are much lower from an investor's perspective, but uh, but even at a two x, three x. Uh, it's it's a a successful exit is a successful exit, and I and and I understood that that you, it's a different journey for you to take that VC to uh, you know take a VC and say boss let's go let's go on this journey with me you know and that's why some of the best uh, entrepreneurs and the first some of the best uh, minds that I've worked with are great storytellers. So uh, yeah, absolutely agree. Uh, I have a, a question about this acquisition. So this was a, a outright acquisition. Like you uh, are, you have been bought out, or you still own? Like the founders, do they still own? Uh, yeah, yeah, yes, we still do. Um, Ship Rocket came and said, "Boss, we don't want to run your business. You you run your business, uh, but we believe that business this business has a lot of potential. 
um, because you know they understood the market uh, in and out. They had been there, like I said, they were riding that wave much, much better, much, much quicker than us. And uh, and uh, the first call I had with Sahil, the CEO, H. Proctor, and Vishesh on on a Zoom call, and uh, I know Sahil says this as well. And I also say this, and it sounds a little cheesy, but on that Zoom call, when he told me what he's building, and when I shared what, uh, so I think we both were convinced it was just matching expectation in terms of price. And so he he asked me a very simple question that, Umer, did you come into this business to make money? I said, yes, I would like to make some money. You know, I would like my family and my future to be secure. But that's not why I came into this business. And he said, look, money matters, we'll do it. But let's structure the deal in a way that your investors take the exit. You stay because we want you to stay. And for you to have the skin in the game, you have to hold on to the equity. I said, I couldn't have put it better in words. I want to hold on to. So we held on to about 24% uh, of the company. Shiprocket bought out all the investors. Shiprocket pumped in primary capital as well. Um, and slowly they've gone on to increase that uh, a little bit. But we, the founders and the ESOP uh, still holds, uh, you know, upwards of 20%. And the idea is, I told Sahil, I said, there is no point. I'm riding a wave. There's no point in selling at, at, at this valuation today. You might as well, I like, close the shop because I'm not getting anything, right? I'm not getting anything substantial. And I don't want to be lost in that noise, right? I want to, I want, Vixo to retain its identity, and uh, Sahil was like, you know, I, I would want the same. So, and and I think he said it, but he's followed through on his words that he's left us completely autonomous. There is a board, and board has you know ship rocket founders and CFO on on the board, and the board takes certain decisions, of course, uh, 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 you know, like a subsidiary. But uh, but at the end, Sahil is you know he tells me that I want you to do this, but. If you want to do something else, you do it your way because you know you built your business from zero to two and a half, three million when we acquired you, and from three to ten, uh, you know, two point five to uh, to ten or eleven million ARR that we are sitting on right now. He said, "You know your business, you build it, and when it's big enough, when it's adding that value, uh, then we will acquire the rest of the twenty percent." You know, and I said, "I will not ask for it." Okay. I will prove the value, and I did that. So while he gave me that aton, you know, the autonomous, the ability to run the company, the ability to call the shots, uh, even if, and he said this very clearly, and uh, I still remember. He said, "Agar by chance nahi hua tere se, to kya hoga? We'll sit in the room, we'll fight, we'll fight, and we'll figure right, we'll figure it out. Kya karna hai next? But at the end." Uh, I think it was Sahil's vision, his conviction that kind of you know just gravitated the entire team towards. And uh, I am, uh, you know, I was amazed by not just with the the management, the core team, but I was amazed with the team that they had built there. You know, every single person that I met um, during that early phase, uh, the ingestion phase, which is supposedly the toughest, supposedly the the trickiest. Uh, every single person had that uh, common behavior uh, a common thread that they were you know they, they didn't they didn't care about uh, what was happening or what was not happening or whether they had to work remote or whether the perks are there or not there and how they're 
you know uh, but they all of them had one single common thread um, at least the ones that i interacted with uh, had one that they all looked at ship rocket as their own baby as their own company and when that happens i think that energy is just very infectious so that kind of energy translated into exo as well see been we were sitting in the same building and uh, for a good one year before she profit to much larger office and uh, we took over the entire building now like some some broad themes uh, i want to understand uh, like sure. you know what was your go to market journey and how has that evolved like you originally when you started way back in 2015 what was it yeah. then and how has it evolved i think uh, go to market was uh, very one is to one sales for us uh, but i think now we we have started uh, you know sort of uh, we built a lot of content we built a lot of uh, case studies we built a lot of uh, inbound journey as well the product price has increased of course because the complexity has increased because the 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 things that the product does has increased but at the same time uh, we also have sort of tried our best to to make that journey as efficient as possible for a customer getting onboarded right and uh, is it and, a self service onboarding or is it a managed onboarding it is it is managed and uh, and i'll tell you the reason for that as well and how we are evolving as a product uh, so you said give me an elevator pitch and i paused very early into and the and the reason i paused is because today the elevator pitch is different because we have transformed from a retention marketing tool which we started off with uh, to a full fledged cdp now a cdp is a customer data platform and uh, and that has happened over the last one year where we built infrastructure where we are not only servicing e-commerce uh, companies now we are servicing large retail clients as well you know so the so, likes of uh, a cdp is like say salesforce um yes uh, kind of like salesforce uh, but not as well so it it's more of a crm to be honest uh, where this entire data set of customer products reside and you can make those correlation those personalization those segmentation everything to do with customer what they have bought when they will buy what is typically repeat purchase uh, uh, look like how can i find patterns into my data using customer level data right and the data could come from a post machine like a point of sale solution where you know you're buying on a retail store it could come from the website it could come from the app it could so, come from uh, a post machine how will post machine give you customer data like through the credit card number you can add it no, no, no. that as a no 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 credit card uh, uh, usually if you look at it uh, people now almost all the the Uh, retailers ask for a mobile number so typically a mobile mobile number would get stored and you know you would get uh, yeah so that becomes a unique identifier for that absolutely. customer absolutely okay uh, so that unique okay. identifier would become uh, you know and would so the cdp typically will ingest post data as well from that phone number will ingest e-commerce data as well from transaction will ingest behavioral data from website and app so people browsing anonymous or logged in uh will ingest loyalty data from loyalty solutions right will also ingest data from ad platforms like facebook like google right um will normalize the data you know um and the way i look at it is if you look at the wizzo journey the value proposition i always say it's like a pyramid 
right? Uh, and why it's a pyramid? Because the bottom layer is data collection, assimilation, normalization, cleaning, uh, you know, building, uh, you know, all of that uh, uh, data repository, uh, building unique identifiers, you know, putting all of that. So if a phone number is a unique identifier and you have 200 retail stores and, and an e-commerce website, has the person purchased from multiple stores? Has the person purchased from your e-com store? Um, is he an e-com buyer? So that all of that combined into a single... Will, will you also be able to uh, tell if he's been targeted by your ad on Google, Facebook? Like, uh... In certain cases, yes. Uh, when we get that feedback from, or we know that this customer, but we can help brands, not just, uh, you know, we can help them build personas uh, not just for targeted communication, but for targeted ads as well, right? So a jeans lover, for example, a jeans lover who uh, lives in, uh, you know, uh, Ludhiana or a jeans lover who lives in Delhi uh, in your data because you have a store in Delhi fundamentally could have very different uh, uh, behavioral patterns, right? Or shopping patterns or average basket value. So all those pattern uh uh, identification can only happen once you have broken the data silos and you have brought all the data into a single warehouse and normalized it. So the base layer is data. Then comes your segmentation, cohort building, analysis, intelligence, right? The second layer of the pyramid. The third layer of the pyramid is the personalization bit. The personalization is, uh, you know, where you are able to send, like I said, personas, you're able to do one is to one communication. There is a there is a, a phrase that we use in the industry called segment of one. Each customer is a segment, right? You have to treat each customer like a segment and each customer will have its own individual pattern, own individual analysis. Akshay opens emails at nine o'clock in the morning. That data should be there in the CDP. So he should be getting that email from you between 8.30 and 8.45 so that it's right there top of the inbox uh, when he, you know, typically start reading his emails, right? Um, he used to read emails, but now he reads only one email in a week, but he's very active on SMS recently. So suddenly your focus should shift. So all of that is CDP's role, that finding patterns into the data. And, uh, and then this is the data layer where we house and all of that. And finally, from there, you can either do personalization, you can do 360 degree profiling, you can do uh, 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 hyper-targeting of ads, you could do uh, you know, uh, business intelligence or data analysis that you were not able to do earlier, right? And so you're able to use your customer data platform to show that person an ad on Facebook. Uh, but how, how does this get connected? Like, because obviously Facebook will not connect through the phone number, right? If you have a customer's no, profile no. through a so phone number. So Facebook doesn't, doesn't do that. Facebook only works on cohorted data, right? So it's uh, your system. Yeah, your system will create that cohort, will push that cohort to Facebook. Facebook will identify And that cohort will be like, say, uh, this is the location. Je yeah, jeans lover from Delhi, for example. Right? Uh, so jeans lovers from Delhi uh, who uh, purchase bet you know, uh, between 3,000 and 5,000. Let's say that's the cohort. You push that data, Facebook will not only find those people, will also find lookalike audiences on its platform. Right? Uh, what uh, is the information you're sending to Facebook to 
target this data uh, to target this pool of jeans lovers in delhi like so we have, we, are you we sending demographic data and location no, no. and yeah, location demographic uh, uh, you know category affinity like jeans lover or for, for example ecom newbie or heavy ecom spender those kind of uh, data point and facebook finds that data and builds a look alike audience and that audience performs almost twice as better if you were doing cold prospecting right so your cacs automatically are reduced okay. uh, uh, why does it happen that if i look at a product on amazon yeah uh, i will be followed by ads of that product across multiple websites so that's what facebook you know does uh, data signal from amazon data signal from facebook uh, say facebook knew that you were look checking out a product so it would make sure that you are followed that's basic retargeting that's retargeting 101 but and this is something you, which amazon is doing or facebook is doing like i saw the amazon on amazon amazon is doing this through facebook so amazon would be running the ads uh showing the right product so, uh, amazon is able to send facebook some information that this is the user to whom this product Correct. has to be shown then facebook and, identifies it okay uh, okay like, like this to cookies or like how does facebook yes, know i am that through, same person cookies through pixel okay. through cookies yeah but what we are doing is also uh, uh, important uh, simply because uh, the cohort or the personas that we are building uh, they might not necessarily be active on the website so there is no cookie information so that information and especially on retail side right nobody is there is no cookie there is no cookie at all in retail so so the question then comes so what is pixel you said uh, pixel is used yeah. for tracking so it's a it's a small yeah it's a small piece of code that gets fired when a person visits a particular page so the, a facebook pixel would uh, or a javascript it's a small piece of very small code that goes into the uh, uh, on your html web page and when you visit that page it gets it loads that's how facebook knows that, okay this is that person in my data set this is akshay i know him right so so i will retarget amazon says okay take this money but show people who are visiting and facebook say okay okay fine i will show whoever visits your page so there is a typically 70 74% match rate from facebook so that means facebook has already identified 74% people who are coming onto your website and 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 then facebook will be like yeah i will show your ad to them. don't worry about it. Mm. right okay okay and you enable d2c brands to do this the same way uh, at, at the same level as amazon is able to do it uh, so this can be done uh Uh, easily via facebook d2c brands can do it through their ad accounts as well but what we do is is slightly is is uh, even a step further we say okay in your data for of people who have already purchased from you we can find out some uh, and build certain cohorts of people that we can push to facebook and build a look alike audience because this is more relevant data cookie data agar uh, you, if your ad targeting is not good that means the relevant people are not coming to the website that means your no matter what you do no matter who you show your ad to that audience is not relevant your ads will not convert but this people have already bought from your brand they are familiar with your brand so uh, building that persona inside their data that that uh, that is uh, a key aspect of what we are enabling these brands to do um target the right people at the right channel with the right content right so if akshay akshay looks at an ad or akshay looks at a whatsapp message it should not be generic it should be personalized to akshay's taste what he has previously bought what he has recently viewed 
or added a you know to cart so it, it, it the, the, like i said uh, each customer is a segment so it's called segment of one right and that's the hypothesis on which we have built our cdp so that's why i paused when you said elevator pitch because uh, you know i was i was confused should i give the new elevator pitch or should i start from the uh, the retention tool but uh, so, so today it sounds to me like your uh, target uh, customer would have changed right like initially you might have been targeting say uh, like a bombay shaving club and a p safe and these kind of uh, d2c brands which are like say in the 50 to 100 cr top line Th- those would have been your uh, early customers to target right what is it today uh, so okay uh definitely we the product the cdp it's an expensive proposition and it only works for people who have larger set data sets right so uh typically retailers uh you know the likes so of today you would be t- like a marks and spencers would be a marks and spencer uh, fab india is a existing customer uh you know typically uh, uh you know uh, indian terrain for example asics shoes uh, these are some of the examples of the companies that we have enabled helped um and asics are, is using your product for india or globally in india not globally okay okay is your product global like can asics use it for absolutely we uh, you know about 40% of our revenue is coming from the us and uh, simply because uh, uh, you know simply because the, uh, the the great part about this product is and this problem statement that we have tried to solve is that it's universal for e-commerce it's not india us sure us would be on a slightly different tangent so the pitch has to be slightly tailored towards it you know uh, for example india cac customer acquisition cost is is a major problem right and ltv increase is has to be your pitch because then only they will make money on that customer right, right. so for for indian founders your pitch is that your cost to acquire each customer we will bring it down through uh, yes. helping you run more effective ads and once a customer lands on your website we'll improve the conversion rates and uh, for customers who are already converted we'll improve the repeat purchase behavior absolutely. through more personalized marketing absolutely absolutely for us the the ltv problem is not there simply because the aobs are very high right hmm. average uh, order value is yes right, right. Uh, typically aob in us and again this differs from industry to industry but if if it is about 700000 rupees in india it's about 100 dollars that means about 8000 uh, rupees in us so it's about eight times higher and again like i said it differs from industry to industry but the biggest difference is that aobs are very very different right so in india if you are spending 900 rupees uh, to acquire a customer and then selling them something for 1000 you've not even broke even on the cost of uh, goods sold right you Uh, your CO, probably possibly the cogs of that product would be your 300 350 400 rupees right so you've not broke even on the scogs as well right but in us if you're spending 10 15 $10 for a customer that spent 100 with you you're most likely broken even you've made money on that product, on on that sale on that sale itself so uh, in us the pitch is not about uh, uh, ltv or cac uh the pitch is more about the uh, uh is bringing ease to their life you know automating those processes and meantime get, getting them more sales 
right? Okay. So because US is a mature market, so they would already be doing personalization. Correct. What you're saying is that your efforts and investments in personalization can be better supercharged by using a product Absolutely. which is built for yeah. personalization. Okay. Got better it. personalization, better outcome, uh, more automated, less hands off. Uh, you know, uh, you don't have to uh, le- uh, quicker integration. Uh, quicker go to market those kind of things uh, you know uh, the, that pitch works well in the us and uh, versus india uh, uh, us also has this uh, knack of uh, and again this is a very big trade secret uh, that i'm sharing this on the podcast with you uh, but uh, uh, us market typically has this inherent notion that if the product is cheaper for example then it's not worth it. Yeah, okay. <laughs> right, 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 right. They, they don't respect a product which is too cheap. Yeah, uh, and and I'll tell you, uh, uh, you know, we face this because typically from an Indian mentality, when we started selling, when I started selling, I was on a sales call, the first sales call that I did on US, I was sitting in my uh, 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 home and at night, uh, and I was doing this sales call and the person, uh, I still remember him, his, his name was Joe. Uh, so he came onto the call and he said, okay, you know, you've convinced me. Everything is great. I just want to ask you one thing that what's the catch? And I said, there's no catch. You know, it's and I, very reluctantly because at that time our product was priced at about 30,000, which is about $400. And I had pitched $1,200, which was very out of character for me because I, <laughs> because I was not convinced that we would be providing value of $1,200, right? So, uh, we went with a very uh, Indian sales mindset and this person says, no, what's the catch? You've given such an amazing demo. Your product can do 10 things. Why it's $1,200? Why it's not $4,000? I was like, I will charge you $4,000 if you give me $4,000. <laughs> and, right. uh, and I remember he said, okay, where do I put my credit card? And I didn't have a place for him to put his credit card. Because we were not prepared, we, we we thought that this will be like a, a sales bank transfer. Call and, right, right. No, and and we thought okay, this will be very typically like uh, we'll send you the proposal. Okay, we'll get back to you. Then we'll have to do ten follow-ups. And no, he was like, where, is, where do I put the credit card? I said I will send that to you <laughs> after this call. And I somehow scrambled on payment gateways, and in less than twenty-four hours, I was able to send him like a payment link. Uh, and he said this will be auto deducted, right? Which is a big thing there because. They don't want to pay your invoices again and again every month. Right? So it has okay. to be auto-deducting. Okay. Yeah. And I was like, uh, no, Joe, we'll have to, you know, you'll have to at least do it one more time. And I had 30 days to figure out, you know, how to make it recurring. Um, but uh, these are all amazing, uh, you know, stories. I have a lot of anecdotes like these. <laughs> uh, but I think fundamentally for me, uh, what has been really, really uh, learning, uh, been a learning experience is uh, that different markets, while need of the product remains the same, the way it functions remains the same. We don't change any aspect of the product at all for US market. It's the same dashboard, same. The pitch becomes fundamentally very different, very different. And the value proposition becomes different. The way we approach the customer becomes different. The way we pitch to the customer becomes different. And that is a big learning experience for me that same product, two different markets and two different approaches. 
and two different pricing. So that uh, is 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 my because uh, frankly, you know, and and now I have this. Um, I always tend to go to a market like, um, for example, Middle East or Australia, and I tend to not disclose a lot lot of things about my product because I know that I, I would have to sort of you know be fluid about the pitch in the first few to at and least you, the, you need to figure out what they want to hear before exactly exactly so so cdps are all the rage and uh, you know for for even large us uh, e-commerce and retailers and uh, and they are all the rage here as well um, and th- that's not why we are doing it i, I think typically uh, that's the natural product, evolution for you yeah exactly that is the natural evolution for us we have the marketing bit sorted out all things marketing sorted out with uh, with wigzo but at the same time and i can disclose this now that we have also quietly built out various other functions that can be enabled from the data platform like the business intelligence which comes built in with the uh, uh, this thing there are certain dashboards graphs that we are able to build populate power just with a simple connection from their uh, pos and uh, uh, e-commerce website and uh, how, how do you run your sales today how much of it is inbound how much is outbound uh, and how does outbound happen like how big is your sales team just help me understand a little bit so about, we have around 12 people in our sales team uh, about uh, 70% is outbound and 30% is in, uh, sorry 70% is inbound 30% is outbound wow yeah 70% inbound is amazing how did you achieve that like through content uh, not through content at all uh, or uh, you know all of it uh, but through a lot through branding uh, marketing um, what what do you do like what do you spend your marketing dollars on uh, so mostly uh, try to be uh, at the events that are happening so that uh, you know try to be at the top of the mind so we do like close round tables martech events d2c Mar- events correct correct we have our own event so in fact we uh, year back we launched our own event right and when okay. everyone uh, was What's doing it called? it's called d2c verse uh, okay and we started that off with just the simple mindset let's get uh, you know five ten brands together under a single let's give them uh, you know dinner and drinks and let's get them to sign the contract while they're uh, you know <laughs> drunk <laughs> i would use the word serenaded but sure <laughs> uh, but uh, but uh, it turned out to be something much larger much bigger and all ha- hats off to the team behind it the wigzo marketing team uh, you know they conceptualized it brilliantly we j- very recently did one in bangalore where we saw a fashion show who does a fashion show for d2c brands right nobody nobody does a fashion show for we actually curated it and we partnered with some other startups as well who were able to bring in content creators to walk the ramp uh content creators with millions of followers uh walked the ramp for brands uh we had d2c awards as well uh at the same event it was very glamorous glitzy uh we got around 200 plus founders under a single roof in bangalore which was so those kind of things make sure wigzo is at the top of the mind when they think retention when they think marketing when they think marketing and they think data right uh and uh and uh, i think that has worked really well in our favor second is word of mouth referral marketing uh, so when a founder loves us refers to other you know founder friend for us puts a good word in their groups chat you know they are in 
शेयर सम ऑफ दिट्स बात कर लो इज ऑल्सो लुकिंग आउट फॉर समथिंग उससे बात कर लो इज ऑल्सो लुकिंग आउट फॉर समथिंग the third and most important is our network effect which is uh, through people who have been trained on the product so people who get you know typically e-commerce and retail see a lot of people shifting jobs and from you know one uh, company to another so when someone loves us loves our team typically they would be like okay you know i'm leaving the job here but i'm moving to this organization when they go the first thing that they do is you know get everyone together get wixo to pitch and say yaar ye lagana hai i had amazing experience with them team is fantastic product is fantastic solid results let's do it yeah right? like like salesforce has that developer community uh, exactly like a very robust developer community which helps a lot of companies to choose it easily in fact on the same lines uh, akshay we launched a course as well called retention hero uh which was narrated by arjun vaidya and trisha vaidya the founders of dr vaidya's uh uh they narrated the course uh and the content was developed by us so that everyone who wants to learn retention marketing gets trained and learn it on our content because eventually it's going to keep it you know in their mind that uh, so those are the kind of active you know activations that we have done uh which has kept uh bigzo as a brand without being too loud you know without being in the face advertising you know without saying oh you run your whatsapp marketing with us and sending ads on uh facebook and you know running ads on google we were slightly more uh you know i would say uh, elusive in our advertising where we were advertising it but not on the face of it not with you know an ad in your face running around uh you know behind you it is more that if this product is relevant it should we should be on the top of your head that this is a company that solves these problems right and and uh, and so far it's been great success both in india in us or any other market that we have done uh, so far we we are opening up germany as we speak i know that germany is going through a difficult but e-commerce is booming right so uh, so that's all i care about <laughs> uh so e-commerce is extremely on the rise uh, in the entire europe and uh, uh, so so 40% you said is us uh, yes. how much from other countries uh, about 10% 12% is from other countries and rest of it is india okay. uh, who are some indian d2c brands that use you uh, a lot man a lot I, i even off the top of my head like pc for example uses us uh you know i remember it because you said pc <laughs> uh uh you know uh, we have uh, the likes of uh, snitch uh, users we have uh, and me before they got acquired by global bees to all global bees actually the global bees uh, roll up e-commerce portfolio uh, you know works on wixo um, we have uh, uh, likes of rubans accessories No, I mean, are there other like yes. full stack platforms? Okay, uh, these are Indian or uh, from other countries? There are some Indian. Some people use other country uh, softwares as well. Uh, uh, some have made inroads. I think it's just uh, uh, and I, uh, all these softwares are great. I'm not you know discounting any software. I think the only difference is uh, that, like I, I told you in 2017, we said no to a lot of. So instead of building a horizontal product where we Could serve BFSI and we could serve this and we could serve that. Uh, we fo- we said we'll focus on one industry and the way we built the software up ground up 
so we understand the challenges our integrations are also on the lines uh for this particular industry uh we talk to the ecosystem right so for example erp in retail or e-commerce there are very few erp players and we integrate with them right so it's a very important integration uh for a large uh retailer or a large e-commerce brand that you integrate with their erp so that their reconciliation uh from their orders is also on point or for example logistics partnership rocket is one example but we integrate with directly integrate with other uh, logistics uh, partner as well so that if they're using any logistics partner they can give that same experience of uh, post purchase experience so, uh, so what you're saying is you're built for e-commerce the others are more horizontal players the exactly exactly okay. and and today for example they could work with the hotstar and they could work with the you know like an ott platform or a or a bank uh whereas uh, i i won't be able to pitch to a hotstar but when it's the two these two products pitching to an e-commerce i would say i would win in certain areas because i would talk the same language my data ingestion would be with the same uh, data set that they would have uh, i would have very quick integrations with their existing platform and just not their e-commerce but it's their loyalty their you know other uh, uh, integrations all of that data uh, and i would give them the dashboard or the kpis which talks in their language as well right so for example uh, like AOB, your uh, uh, alternatives would be something like say a, a clever tap mo engage which are gen- yes. generic engagement platforms i i wouldn't use yeah. the word generic i love these you know founders and i love these uh, <laughs> platforms uh, i think the word i would use like uh, horizontal uh, horizontal engagement yeah. platforms yeah so mm-hmm. where they could go after uh, a hotstar and say you know this is our biggest customer in, in india or a swiggy and say hey, this is a bigger biggest customer in india whereas we would say okay let's go boat and that would be our biggest customer in india or or a fab india or a you know or a nike uh, their brand commerce and their retail data that would be our, or a bata right so so those would be the idealistically biggest uh, uh, you know uh, customers for us so that's the fundamental difference and i i do believe that they see that difference as well so you know uh, not me personally but people have sat down with founders of uh you know i i, I have had multiple discovery calls with sequoia who's an investor in clever tap or you know sahil met uh, i think mongej is founder and they don't see wixo as t- typically direct competition sure sometimes they go to the same client and pitch but hota hi hai sales team it's it happens but uh, uh, but it's not like oh uh, typically it's you know it's a uh very intense competition where e1 platform yeah because you would never go to a food delivery app uh, we would never we haven't we don't go to them uh, we don't go to them um uh, and uh, will we expand tomorrow uh, as a cdp not sure uh, today we want to there's still on... enough here yeah yeah there's still a lot to do here yeah, yeah yeah and trust me you the way the the conversations that we've been having some of these brands especially on the retail side that we've been having uh they're sitting on you know 200 300 crore revenue they're sitting on 70 80 100 stores uh and they have no clue of how to assimilate data uh, and this is not that i'm not saying in in a demeaning way it's just that the products haven't existed that's all those problems are so either it's for, for an offline brand uh yeah you know offline brands may not necessarily have much use for email marketing for example so what are the other ways in which you help them uh, uh, who said i think so there are two th- uh, uh, things uh, email whatsapp sms uh, you know so 
it's about it's not about uh, uh, use or uh, because it's not about uh, uh, click to buy for retail right but it's about communicating with their customer because i'll tell you what uh, uh, today brands are competing for uh, you know attention so so it's the same thing as to why a retail customer would have an instagram page right so for, why would not a retail brand send out emails showcasing their maybe the person doesn't look at their instagram post because he's not active there he doesn't look at their facebook page but he would open the email because you know the brand sent hey we've launched four new jeans and if it's personalized uh, on your taste then it's even better chances of it opening so so all these brands they want to be at the top of the mind they want to be at the top of the uh, uh, you know uh, 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 you know, they want the customers to remember and and they're fighting for that attention because trust me whether the person buys it from e-commerce or buys it from retail store i always say this d2c is not a not a channel d2c is not a channel d2c is the mindset that has been shifting direct to consumer is the mindset even retailers now understand that even if they're asking people to come to their retail store that's also direct to consumer right so 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 they have a direct connection on the what on whatsapp on email on sms with their audience yeah yeah I, i would say like probably fab india is like the d2c pioneer in a way exactly and and uh, uh, we 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 have um uh, you know when we look at their team as well and they have a fantastic fantastic team who are so hungry when it comes to you know what can we do next how can we elevate the customer experience uh, you would see the kind of cohorts they build amazing it gives us and our account manager so much learning working with such a mature and uh, that we then embark these learnings to uh, to to other d2c brands as well where we feel that you know oh you can do this not exactly you know but the learnings are very important right uh, right some right. sometimes a simple holy campaign which is you know not even sending out a coupon code not even it's just a holy campaign works wonderfully well it's just wishing holy why because it was sent out to the right audience um you know and you, you, the system said that these are the right people for this kind of campaign so those kind of learnings if you can translate and get Uh, you know, lot more brands. It would solve not only the problems that we mentioned earlier, but it would solve a major problem of spam, right? Um, and that's why, if you ask me why Wixo exists today, is not just because from a brand perspective, sure, it's allowing them to personalize, and but it's from a consumer standpoint. We are not a consumer company, right? We're a hardcore B two B tech company. But from a consumer uh, standpoint, why is Wixo important? Is because it declutters your inbox with irrelevant messages. Right, right. Yeah, every message is customized to you. Yes, uh, you know, so mm-hmm. one brand at a time. We are decluttering spam. Yeah, amazing. So uh, let me end with this question: What's your advice to D two C founders? Uh, you know, I mean, someone who's like say an early stage founder may not necessarily be a Wixo customer, but w- what is the way in which he should think about uh, building a D two C brand? I think. Uh, so i think the the there are two journeys uh, that a d2c founder should look at a, from becoming uh, a seller and then from seller to brand uh, and it's a journey you have to take it 
you have to become the seller first you have to sell the product that you have somehow managed to uh, bring together and then sort of uh, uh, take it uh, through the next level but my only advice would be that this is an a completely new era that we have entered right where intellectual properties are owned by brands they it's their ip which is getting created and ips are getting created at an unprecedented rate right so find out why your ip or your intellectual property or your product is unique and uh, uh, you know find that differentiator okay either find a large stamp or find a differentiator of your product uh, and work on towards solving problem if you've done that then there is now an ecosystem uh, available infrastructure available and thanks to companies like ship rocket thanks to companies like uh, you know faster uh, uh, checkout thanks to vigzo and countless others right uh, unicommerce uh, uh, for example or the likes of uh, logic erp or logibricks uh, the infrastructure is available to d2c founders uh that you could then go from you know if you go go on from 0 to 1 yourself by hustling by finding the right fit by finding what product sells to which audience then 1 to 10 journey becomes much easier because there are now partners who can tell you how to go to that journey how to embark on that journey what pitfalls you need to avoid where to you need to go to funding we have now debt funding a big part of e-commerce because uh you know the companies like club like get advantage uh yeah working capital is not such a challenge now exactly so uh it's such a uh, evolving industry that if you are a young brand founder uh, don't think about building infrastructure because that is being done uh and i'll tell you 10 years down the line that was not the case 10 years down the line yeah. fa- founders would be like oh we'll hire development team to build this for yeah, us yeah yeah right yeah, yeah. Uh, but today that that's not the mindset today yeah you can just plug in everything and launch your uh, exactly. d2c site in like absolutely days or weeks uh and that is the key quick go to market uh fail quick if you have to uh but find out what sells what is your hero product focus on getting more people into uh, that funnel of awareness education and purchase and if you do that i think rest everything will come to you uh you know um, automatically once you've done those basics right because now the infrastructure is built now we have enough content enough people enough experts enough products that can help you enough companies that can help you um uh, in into building a fairly large direct to consumer brand and people who say that market get got saturated or this and that are, just not true not at all um you know i can tell you we are adding about 2 million 3 million new consumers every month uh, who have never shopped uh, online and they're getting added to to uh, to the pool so okay. this is a, this is what your uh, like the, the customer data platform is giving you this data across all your brands across uh, all our brands 2 to 3 uh, million new shoppers are getting added each month and okay. and Amazing. there is a great penetration which is happening on the tier 2 side because thanks to the cod thanks to uh, even upi for example was is a is a big big uh, push right uh, from getting users to to securely pay and you know um, and there is now inherent trust on certain players in the market 
prediction and tier 2 tier 3 town would have a big big role to play in you know the bharat audience is going to be uh, online did you, all the time uh, i i'm just curious did you see a shark tank effect <laughs> a massive shark tank effect massive i what, I what like in, in the sense that uh, some of your customers were uh, featured on shark tank and you saw a lot work. of our, a lot of our customers in fact uh, you know uh, uh, one of such brand is house of chicken curry who is on this season rubans also Uh, was on this season uh, there is a big uptake it's like a free uh, tv ad uh, you know a 5 a 5 mi- minute slot so uh, some of the brands that we work with uh, how, how big is the effect like uh, how much does their revenue or visitors increase by dude like sometimes it's uh, uh, crazy like uh, you know people would come on to uh, they would sell out the inventory in in 2 3 4 hours of uh, airing the uh, uh, episode airing and and that that's not all i mean it, this is india and, and i'm sure we'll see a much profound effect going forward in us uh, we have a shark tank us brand uh, that came in shark tank us and they had to reprepare all the inventory levels because their episode was going to be reaired after a year Re-aired, not wow, <laughs> and they still okay. sold out, and they still sold out in two two and a half hours. So, uh, so so th- that's great. So I think th- that intrigues me a lot because that intrigues me uh, to that uh, there is a uh, you know there is a there is a big opportunity sitting for D two C brands where they are c- reaching to a completely new audience uh, through TV. How do yeah, Shark Tank would have opened up a lot of tier two, tier three for absolutely. So, yeah, so you know, yeah. a, a lot of times you're having these conversation in closed doors. That how do we enable this for you know fifty, sixty thousand brands that we work, you know, as a group that we work with? How do we enable this for uh, for brands? How do we unlock this opportunity? And you know, some of the things are still in the works. Some you know, we're working behind the scene uh, to to ensure. that uh, you know it's accessible because today the problem is not uh, yeah you know it's obviously shark tank they receive some 10000 1 applications and only 50 or some odd uh, uh, featured and a lot of the d2c right I, I, uh, in the first episode you saw jhaji store right uh, which was uh, season 1 brand we worked with jhaji store as well and um, and we are very proud whenever it used to come, come on the uh shark tank i used to tell my wife you know uh, uh, this is a brand yeah. we work with yeah 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 so, obviously yeah, yeah i mean being on tv still has that big massive appeal yeah, yeah. so i think yeah. that some of those uh, uh, opportunities we still have to unlock as a, as an ecosystem i think this this will be very interesting times uh, what shark tank has shown is that it's possible and now just we have to replicate it but you know in a unique way just not copy the format and just you know do it again because that's not going to be appealing so you have to do it in a more unique way uh and uh, and uh, we have to uh, uh, you know figure out the next where the next growth phase is coming for 
um for d2c brands a lot of them are going omni channel a lot of them are opening kiosks uh some vertical marketplaces are getting opened uh, which are catering to specific niche you know so marketplace like bundling baby products or exactly like, like baby products like organic uh, like you know one green is a curation of all uh, organic then we have uh, a combination which is uh, a combination of deals uh, on various beauty products um uh, has retail uh, uh, as well so uh, sampling also uh, product sampling also you know through blinkit through big basket through quick commerce through uh, traditional commerce uh, uh, is also a big big opportunity so there is a lot lot to unlock here uh, and we keep on seeing some amazing startups coming through this space uh, we keep on talking to the founders some of them are doing exceptional jobs at you know cracking some of these uh, value functions for uh, uh, d2c brands and i feel that we are just at like a we're not even at the inflection point right now trust me we we're not we we would be there in in couple of years we are at a yeah we we, we are still at a stage where we are figuring you know 10 things out with um and this would be as big a story as the us e-commerce uh, so you are possibly bigger And that brings us to the end of this conversation. I want to ask you for a favor now. Did you like listening to this show? I'd love to hear your feedback about it. Do you have your own startup ideas? I'd love to hear them. Do you have questions for any of the guests that you heard about in this show? I'd love to get your questions and pass them on to the guests. Write to me at ad at thepodium dot in. That's ad at t h e p o d i u m dot in.